Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome to another edition of Inside Arsenal. It's Wednesday, I hope you're all having a very good week wherever you're watching or listening to this around the world. Big day today, the kids are back at school. You have no idea how good that sounds to say. Love my kids, been amazing six weeks. But yeah, it is nice when they go trying off back to school. All very excited as they were to leave. My little boy joining junior school today. So both of them are in junior school. Where on earth has that time gone? But you don't want to hear me rattle on about how <laughs> relieved I am that uh, I have a bit more time in my hands now to do more of this and concentrate more on a little bit of this. So lots to talk about today, even though we're in the middle of a boring international break. Uh, we got David Ryer and Aaron Ramsdale to talk about as there's reports that uh, Mikel Arteta could be ready to turn to David Raya as the season starts to sort of kick into gear right now. We'll talk about Thomas Partey's injury as well. Got uh, Bakari Saka winning another award for England. Lots of that. And then plenty of your questions and comments to get stuck into as well. So let's get going. Let's start on the goalkeepers, shall we? Because it's a really interesting one. Um, Sammy Mottbell over in the mail and John Cross and Mira both reported last night that uh, Mikel Arteta was leaning towards giving... David Raya ago and that Aaron Ramsdale's position as first choice goalkeeper could well be under threat. This is something that myself and James Bench spoke about in last night's episode of Inside Arsenal Extra Time, which if you haven't watched or listened to yet, that is available on this channel. If you're watching on YouTube or on your podcast format as well, it went out last night. Um, and we were discussing, discussing this because there was a question from one of you guys who sent it in saying, do you think that Mikel you know, might be ready to do what he did with, Aaron, with Ramsdale and Leno? Because when he brought Ramsdale in to replace Leno, it was after the first international break of the season a couple of years ago. Of course, Arsenal had lost those opening three games, got spanked 5-0 at Manchester City, went into the international break. When they came back, Ramsdale was number one and it was a position he never lost. Um, so the timing is quite interesting when you sort of compare the two situations. Uh, it, myself and James, when we were talking about it last night, we felt that for the game at Everton immediately after the international break, we still felt Ramsdale would probably be the number one choice, um, just because 
you know, Arsenal obviously have that game against Brentford coming up in the, in the Carabao Cup fairly soon. And Arsenal have been given permission by Brentford to play David Wright in that game. In Premier League, in, if it was a Premier League fixture, I don't think they'd be able to because of the rules. But because it's a Carabao Cup game, they are able to if Brentford, who are, of course, Raya's parent club at the moment because it's only on loan, had agreed to it and Brentford had agreed to it. So I think Raya certainly starts in that, that game and it'll be really interesting what happens in the Champions League as well, of course, which kicks off after the international break. You know, I, is Mikel going to use both of those competitions, Premier League and Champions League, to sort of rotate his goalkeepers? One's in goal for the Champions League, one's in goal for the Premier League. Is that a way he kind of sees keeping them both happy almost in this position of having two number ones at the same football club? It's going to be really interesting to see you know, long term, I've always felt that David Raya is probably going to end up as Arsenal number one. I just think the fact that he's been brought in, yes, it does improve the squad depth 100% and it's a, it's a big improvement on what we had last season. But you kind of looked at it and for David Raya's point of view as well, he could have gone to pretty much any football club you'd imagine. If he'd have waited out for Brentford for another year, he'd have been available on a free transfer in the summer and could have gone anywhere. He'd have had his pick of clubs. Yeah, he chose to come to Arsenal. Where the goalkeeping coach is in Nakikana, his very close friend and former coach at Brentford, it always felt, if you were Aaron Ramsdale, that that was probably, you, you'd probably be a little bit worried thinking about that and looking ahead to the future. Um, and that's why I've always had a sort of inkling that long term it might well be that Raya replaces Ramsdale. That's just a hunch, you know, it's not based on any information. I don't think it will happen immediately after the international break, but I think if Raya comes in for that game against Brentford and if he does play maybe in the Champions League as well, and he plays well, you know, the, the pressure on Ramsdale is going to really, really increase. I don't think Ramsdale's had any real sort of howlers yet this season. I don't think he's been particularly brilliant. I know a lot of you are sort of looking at the goal conceded at, at the weekend. Marcus Rashford's goal, and thinking, could he have done better? I'm not sure, I think. Uh, and again, I said this to James last night, that there was a lot of other errors leading up to that goal. Havertz, first of all, giving the ball away. Then Ben White for allowing him to cut inside on the right uh, so, as much as he did. And even William Saliba for... You know, once White had shepherded him in on that side, Saliba should have done more probably to cut out the shooting opportunity. All of those, I think, are way ahead when it comes to errors leading up to that goal than Aaron Ramsdale with a save. But Arsenal do have a, you know, they do concede a lot of goals from not many shots at the moment. And when that happens, I suppose you probably look at the goalkeeper and think, could you be doing a little bit more? Is And is your passing as on point as maybe it was previously? And of course, David Raya is fantastic, absolutely sensational with the ball at his feet. So it's going to be really interesting if Raya does come in and start producing some really good performances, just how long it takes for this change. I think a lot of us are probably expecting to happen will happen. You know, I feel sorry for Aaron because he's playing under a lot of pressure now. Um, but I suppose if you're a top level footballer at a top level club like Arsenal, who are trying to compete and get themselves up to a level where they do compete for the very best trophies in world football, then you've got to be able to deal with that pressure, I suppose. And it's up to him. He does have the number one jersey at the moment, which puts him in a strong, strong position. It's down to him to keep it. Um, but when you've got a player like David Raya sort of standing right behind you and a lot of people looking at your performances, you know, that you are playing under a lot of increased scrutiny and that can come with problems. It can cause mistakes. So we'll wait and see. But let me know what you guys think about the whole situation, about would you make a change? If so, when do you think it should be Raya? in after the international break? Or do you think Aaron absolutely deserves to keep his spot and keep playing until you know something happens on a consistent basis? Not just one error, but maybe multiple errors over a, over a period of games. Let me know what you guys think, as always, if you're watching on YouTube, in the comments below. 
Okay, let's turn our attentions to Thomas Party now. Now, um, obviously missed the game at the weekend with that injury picked up in training just before the Manchester United game. Sort of muscle injury at the top of his leg, kind of groin, stroke, thigh. It's hard. I haven't had it nailed down exactly what the issue is. Um, but I have been told that six weeks is definitely the sort of uh, time frame that Arsenal and Thomas Parsi and his people are looking towards. Um, there is a second international break coming. It's after the Manchester City game on October 8th and Arsenal return to action, I think, on the 21st of October against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. I think that's probably the game at the moment that everyone is looking at as potentially the one to target for Thomas Party. So between now and then, Arsenal have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games in all competitions. That's Everton straight after the international break. Then it's PSV and Tottenham. Then it's the Carabao Cup game against Brentford. Then it's Bournemouth and then Lons away in the Champions League and then the big, big game against Manchester City at the Emirates on October the 8th. It'd be fantastic if Party could get back fit for that Manchester City game at the Emirates because I'd love to see Declan Rice and Thomas Party in the same midfield together for that game. I think when Declan Rice came in, I immediately thought of you know how Mikel might set things up against the top teams to make Arsenal a lot tougher to beat, especially Manchester City, who Arsenal have been terrible against in um in recent years. He, of course, did play that in the Community Shield with Kai Havertz playing as a central striker in that game. Um, and yeah, I'd love to see Thomas Party back for the October 8th, but that is pushing it a little bit. What's the date now? We're on September the 6th now. You know, that's just over a month away. So that's just over four weeks away. It probably feels too soon. And I think one thing we all know with Thomas Party when he gets these sort of injuries is you don't want to rush him back. Because if you do, we've seen it. You've seen him break down again, then suddenly you're out for another four to six weeks and the injury just rumbles on and on. So Arsenal going to have to take it easy and take it, you know, be take it risk-free almost when it comes to party. And the good thing is, obviously, they do have Declan Rice now. So when party used to be out, it was a nightmare. We'd all be in absolute panic station thinking, what are we going to do for the next six weeks without Thomas Party? It doesn't have to be that much of a worry now because you've got Declan Rice. We saw how good Declan Rice was, even... You know, in a midfield where you've got a struggling Kai Havertz ahead of you. And then you've got Odegaard, who's obviously, although I thought Odegaard played really, really well, but he's obviously very much an advanced player. So you got Declan basically holding that midfield all by himself against uh, Manchester United. And he did it so, so comfortably. He was just so good. Best player on the pitch by a mile. And it does ease that pressure somewhat. And Jorginho has been excellent as well since he's come in. Um, of course, sort of pushed Thomas Partey out of the team towards the end of last season with his performances in midfield. So it's not as much of a disaster as it used to be. And that's great. And that's what, you know, improving the squad by bringing players in like Jorginho and Declan Rice is all about. But fingers crossed he does come back sooner rather than later. And I think that Chelsea game, from what I understand anyway, what I'm being told, that is certainly the game that everyone's kind of targeting as a potential return date for Thomas Partey. I don't know if you watched this last night or not, but Howard Webb and Michael Owen were doing, uh, you know, Howard Webb, he did it with, was it Gary Neville? He did it with before this sort of VAR review that he does. Now, Howard Webb's obviously the head of PGMOL, the Referees Association, and he sat down with Michael Owen, he stood up with Michael Owen in the studio yesterday and did a sort of review of all the controversial incidents we've seen in the Premier League so far we heard the VAR audio which obviously we don't normally get to hear sort of talk through some of the situations they did the Manchester United versus Wolves fiasco they showed that one and how the referees managed to talk themselves out of giving what was such a blatant penalty when Anana clattered into that Wolves player in the last minute so they showed that they showed the Virgil van Dijk sending off against Newcastle and they spoke they showed they showed the audio um of the penalty incident at a weekend between Arsenal and Man United when Kai Havertz was awarded the penalty and then it was ruled out. And um, 
it was really interesting. And look, my first thought, even I was at the other end of the ground where my where I was sitting. And when he went down, I turned to my dad. I was like, I don't think that was a penalty. It just looked from where I was at the other end of the pitch. It looked like Havertz had just sort of thrown himself down and was trying to win the penalty. And it didn't surprise me when I was standing there watching that the ref then went over to the monitor and it was overturned. But then having watched the replay once I got home and saw the actual incident, I was pretty surprised that that got overturned. Not because I think I don't think it was a penalty. So I (laughs) kind of contradict myself. I ultimately think the right decision was reached. But the way it was reached surprised me because once that was there was clearly contact. And once that was given on the pitch, I and I saw the replay, I thought that's that's really strange that that got overturned because was that really, really a clear and obvious error by the referee? And like you see it so many times, you've seen so many soft penalties, which you look at and think that shouldn't be given. But once the referee had given it, you kind of think it's not going to be overturned because ultimately you don't want to re-referee the game. You just want to cut out the absolute massive, massive errors. That's what VAR is all about. And when I looked at that incident, and I thought it was soft, but once it was given, I think you probably stick with the referee. That's what we normally see anyway. So, uh, But the, on this occasion, it was overturned. And you can see, if you're watching this on YouTube, some of the quotes from the, the VAR um, referees, it was Jared Gilley, were, were having. And he said, what you're going to... And as Anthony Taylor was running over to look at the screen, he said, what am I going to see at the screen? Which I thought was quite odd in a way, because like, don't you just want to wait and so form your own opinion when you actually look at the screen rather than asking someone what he's going to see when he gets there. But anyway, he did ask that. And then this is what Jared Gillow said. He said, what you're going to see is Wan Basaka will step across when there's no contact with the right foot. Um, then there's minimal contact from Havertz's left foot as he runs through. And then Taylor goes to the screen, he watches his instant. Because on the field, when he gives a penalty, Taylor immediately says, you hear him say, wan foul, he tripped him. And so when he got to the screen and he watched it and he looked, he, and he sees there wasn't really a trip from wan certainly not the right foot. And then it was, ha- it was Havertz's left foot that, um, that tripped. It was, it was a really interesting thing to watch, I thought. Um, I didn't ultimately really agree with it because I still think that once that's given on the pitch, you don't really take it away. And I think the, the key thing for this is, OK, fine that this was overturned. But now everything this season, these sort of incidents need to be overturned. I don't want to see this weekend suddenly a really soft penalty being given when you look at it. And then VAR just says, oh, no, you've given that penalty, you stick with it. It it needs to be consistent. And that's the crucial thing of all of this. It needs to be consistent. I think we can all look at this incident for Havertz and think it probably wasn't a penalty. He did go down looking for it. He did kind of trip, trip himself up almost by initiating the contact with wan as he went through. And that's fine, but you want to just, it needs to be consistent throughout the season now. I don't want to see too many, I don't want to see instances over the next few weeks where suddenly, you know, the complete opposite thing's happening. So, yeah, but I thought it was an interesting segment. If you haven't watched it yet, it's on Sky, go and watch it. They've clipped it all up and there's quite a few, in, the, the, full, the, the Man United Wolves ones, like insane how they managed to talk them. Because at the start of it, they're going to give the penalty. You can hear he's clearly leaning towards giving a penalty and then he just completely bottles it and t- changes his opinion. So it was pretty mad to watch. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) 
Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, before we get up to some of your questions and comments, I just wanted to pay tribute once again to the amazing Bukai Saka. 22 years old yesterday. Happy birthday, Bukai. And on his 22nd birthday, he was named the England Men's Player of the Year for the second year in a row. 22 years old. And he's been named the England Football Men's Player of the Year two years in a row. What a player. What a guy. I thought it was really funny that they got a Tottenham player in James Madison to present him with the award. I'm not sure England sort of quite grasped the uh, the comedy value of that, but he did. Um, and uh, yeah, just brilliant. What a what a player. What a, uh, what a talent Arsenal have on their hands in Bukaya Saka. And he just continues to do it, whether it be for Arsenal, whether it be for England. He just steps up all the time. And uh, yeah, congratulations, Bakaya. What a perfect birthday present that was. Okay, let's get on to some of your questions and comments, shall we? Now, continuing on the theme of Bakaya Saka, here's one from Dominic. It says, just on Saka and giving him a rest at times this season, there are a few there are a few players in the squad who could cover him. Jesus, Havertz, Vieira, ESR. Maybe I'm forgetting somebody. But who do you think is the first off the rank to play there at times this season? Well, I think probably, Dominic, the one you're forgetting there is Reese Nelson. He could definitely play there, although Mikel def- you know, likes to play him on the left when he brings him on. But... You know, when he came through at Arsenal, he was always on the right-hand side, Reese Nelson. So he can definitely play that if needed. Um, but the way he plays when he comes off the left, I think he's more of an option for that. I think out of those players you've listed, I think Gabriel Jesus is probably the best option when it comes to replacing Saka on the right. He played there so much for Manchester City. He played there really, really well as well for Manchester City in big games. He'd done the job well. We saw it towards the end of last season. We started seeing it a little bit more as well of... Um, Gabriel Jesus playing over on the right-hand side. So I think out of everyone there that you list, Havertz could certainly play there, but I wouldn't like Havertz playing there 100%. Vieira cannot offer himself there. We've seen him play there as well. But again, I think Vieira is much more at home in more central areas. Um, and ESR is good enough to play there. But I think out of all of them, Gabriel Jesus, just because of the amount of times he's played there in so many big games for Manchester City, um, and the sort of the way he is, the way you saw it at the end when he came on against United the weekend, a couple of times down that right hand side when he sort of received a ball for a throw in and stuff like that, and the quality he had to turn players to get inside to get into the area and create problems, I thought it was really really good. And um, so yeah, I think if anything, if Saka ever does need a rest, rest for me, probably moving Gabriel Jesus over there, and then you can have Eddie Nketiah as a central striker or Kai Havertz as a central striker, whatever. So I think that's probably my favourite option when it comes to. Um, playing someone on the right to give Saka a chance to rest his legs if needed. Here's one from Azim. says, hi, Charles. What is your take on Arteta substituting so late against Man United? We had our first substitution around 75 minutes. Yeah, it was interesting. I was obviously in the stands watching that game. And I remember saying to dad, my dad, who was next to me after about probably 65, 70 minutes, feels like we need a bit of a change here. United were beginning to offer a little bit more. We looked like we'd run out of ideas a little bit. And I was surprised that 
it went on till 75 minutes, but it's something we've seen before from Arteta. To be fair, this season he's made changes early as well. I mean, you look, go back to the Fulham game. He made those changes really, really early in the second half when he threw on Eddie and Vieira and they changed the game in the second half. So he did. I think he probably looked at the United game and thought we still had an element of control and was fairly comfortable. I think he probably knew, and managers will take this into account now, that there's going to be about 10 minutes of stoppage time as well. So you don't really need to throw a player on at 65 minutes now to give him, you know, 25 minutes of action because you know if you throw him on the 75 minutes he's still probably going to have 25 minutes which was the case because there was ended up being about 11 minutes of stoppage time so although the subs came on with 75 minutes to go they almost played half an hour and I think that and the whole new dynamic of this extra injury time now is probably going to play into managers minds and play into their and and sort of go into their thinking when it comes to making these changes now to give players extra time on the pitch um and so you can go deeper without making changes. So maybe that was a reason. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's been some a, a running theme throughout the first four games of the season. I think it, it was it was certainly the United game where I really, for the first time, thought probably needs to make some changes now. And it, and it took him a little bit longer than I expected him to, but worked out well in the end when you look at the changes that he did make and the uh, and the impact those players made. Here's one from Frank who says, I wonder if the not signing another defender is a path forward for Real Walters. I'd like to see him get a run out since watching Alex's high praise on Rio's podcast. Yeah, there was big praise from for Walters there from Zinchenko in that podcast. Talked about his strength and his physicality and how he's the next one he thinks is ready. And, you know, a lot of people think that as well. And Mikel likes him. I've spoken about that before on this show. Mikel definitely likes him. He uses him a lot. Um, and I think we will see Walters get some game time this season, whether initially starts in the Carabao Cup. And I think I've got a question on the Carabao Cup here. Um, here from a, another one, it says the Carabao Cup game against the Bees will be interesting. Walters and perhaps another wild card from the academy should get a chance to state their claim. Seeing it as a Timpot Cup, we could have a good look at defensive options. I don't agree on that last bit. I really want to see Arsenal try and win the Carabao Cup, to be honest. You know, it's silverware. And, um, you know, Mikel needs to get some silverware on board. Arsenal need to win some trophies. If you're throwing away the Cup competition straight away i think that's probably a mistake so i don't really see it as a tin pot cup at all and but i do i do look at the likes of Raul waters and um um i don't i think it's probably Raul's like the is the the one player I, when i look at in the academy at the moment or that that sort of setup at the moment who would probably get an opportunity to have some extended game time. Obviously, you have Ethan Wanieri, you have Miles Lewis, Skelly, Emma Rikosia, Dubry, uh, Lino Sosa, those sort of players, but they're still very, very young. And when you look at them, Wanieri aside, because he still he is quite physically imposing, even despite only being 17, I'm not sure. When I watched them in the Youth Cup, I still kind of thought, I don't know if you're 100% ready to step up into senior football. But when I look at Walters, I think he is. I think he's got the stature, the physicality, his presence on the pitch to be able to cope with the demands of senior football. Um, so it wouldn't be surprised me if we see him get his opportunity at some point in the season. I hope he is. And the fact that Arsenal let all these defenders go and they're, you know, you think he could well be in the plans or he probably definitely is in the plans. When Edu has on his board at the uh, training ground next to his desk in his office, he has that pitch and he's got all the players, sort of the first 11, then under it, he's got all the other options who can play in that position and, you know, normally they're just all senior players, but I'm pretty sure Walters' name will be on that list under some of the positions in there because he has to be considered as an option now because Arsenal are not exactly rich when it comes to defensive options because of the um, injury to Timber and the departures of Holding and Tierney this summer. 
Okay, lastly, let's quickly ask one, answer one here from Bob. He says, hi, Charles. I'm convinced that El Nenny is the perfect fifth centre-back at this stage in his career and in Mikel's system. He's calm on the ball, keeps it ticking over, integrated well in the squad, should be able to play an inverted role at 30. It's a perfect way to extend his career and shift to the back. It's a path many others have tread, and he's good egg, so he'll do it with a smile and some skill. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's, he probably could be a good option there. I don't really want to see it. I have to say, if Arsenal played Mohamed El Nenny at centre-back, uh, then I would be a little bit worried, I have to say. And that's no dig at El Nenny, who I think is an excellent professional and is so, so popular at Arsenal and everyone likes having him around. But um, yeah, I think a lot of things would have to happen for Mohamed El Nenny to be lining up at centre-back for Arsenal. And it's not something I would overly want to see, but he's definitely got the qualities to do it. And like you said, he is very calm. He's, you know, he reads the game very, very well and he can probably slot in there and, and cover if needs be. But yeah, it's not something I want to see long-term, I have to admit. All right, that's it for today's episode, everyone. Thank you very much for watching or for listening. Appreciate your time. As always, remember, if you haven't got your hands on my book yet, Revolution, please do. You can order it below. The links are in the description. Thanks so much for all the support so far. And thank you to everyone on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, for sending in all your pics of you with the book, wherever you're reading it. And yeah, if, you're, if you've got some of your own, please do send them in to me and uh, I'll give them all a retweet or repost, whatever it is now. And uh, it'd be great to yeah, spread the word about how... Uh, how many people are reading it and how many people are enjoying it thanks again everyone do enjoy the rest of your day i'll be back tomorrow once again to all things arsenal have a good one tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts good news ad free listening is available on amazon music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your prime membership Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.